0: A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Hello everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So this week we have another sleep question. It's about scheduling and things getting off schedule and a great daycare question as well. And I'll be sharing also about how to share family news, particularly bad news with kids. We had some not so great news in our family yesterday and I told my husband we needed to share it with the kids. So I'll talk a little bit about our process in that and how to go about that in sharing some negative news with your family. So the first question is about sleep. And these are popular questions, these sleep questions. So from Nikki, I love your podcast and since I have discovered it, I'm working my way back through all the episodes. I listen when my toddler is asleep and I'm doing chores. I love it, I love to listen to podcasts while I'm doing chores too, especially while I'm doing dishes or cooking dinner, it's perfect. I have also started working my way through the classes, which are great. My question is about early wake-ups. My daughter is 14 months old And for the past few weeks, she has been waking fairly consistently at 4.30 and not going back to sleep. She has always been a bit of an early riser, but 4.30 is getting a bit ridiculous. We have a pretty consistent routine on the days that I'm home with naps 8.30 to 9.30 and 12 to 1 or 1.30. She does go to daycare three days a week and naps are very inconsistent there. I've tried talking to them about it, but it hasn't made much difference and we're thinking of shifting her to a different facility anyway, for a few other reasons. In the evening, we start our routine with dinner around 4.30, followed by bath, PJ's book, milk, and her cot between 5.30 and six. We only get home around 5 on daycare days, so the routine has to be compressed a bit and bedtime is more like 6 or a bit after. Sometimes she goes to sleep on her own after I put her in her cot after a brief protest cry. Other nights we go back into the room if the crying escalates or doesn't stop after a couple of minutes, and I lie on the floor beside her bed without touching her and just say, it's sleep time, Maddie, once, and then I don't talk or engage. She will then roll around and chat to herself for a while and eventually go to sleep. This can take around 30 minutes. And actually, this is common actually for kids to take around 20 to 30 minutes to fall asleep. That's actually not too bad. She's mostly fairly good at sleeping through the night apart from these early wake-ups. She sleeps in a cot in a dark room with white noise. It's summer here in New Zealand, but she's waking before it's light. She wakes up upset and still seems very tired, so it doesn't seem to me like she is ready to wake up at that time. I've tried going into her room and sitting with her like we do at bedtime, but she screams and screams and reaches for me. I have also tried holding, cuddling, stroking her, and even tried putting her in bed with us to get a little more rest, but none of it works. She's just awake and upset until we get up properly and turn on the light. We do need her to wake at 5.30 to 6 for us to get ready for work, which is why our routine is fairly early. I should also mention that even if we have a bad evening and she goes to sleep later than normal, her wake-up time is the same. I'm hoping you have some suggestions to get our hour of sleep back in the morning. Thanks so much, Nikki. So I did respond to Nikki since she was a member and answered this question right away. And what I shared with her is that it does sound like her daughter Maddie is ready to be awake at that time, but that doesn't mean that she can't shift some things around and make it work better for the parents. So it sounds like Maddie's getting plenty of sleep since she is sleeping all the way through and then waking up at 4.30. If she's waking up a bunch in the middle of the night that would tell me she doesn't know how to put herself back to sleep. My suggestion is to get things shifted around to make it so that Maddie is more likely to wake up around 5.30 or 6.00. So the 5.30 or 6.00 is a really early bedtime it seems that the sleep schedule it just shifted early so I put up something on both the Facebook page and on my Instagram account at IronMom2020 about sleep and the common amounts of sleep that kids need by age, kind of the averages or the range, actually, the average range by age, starting at newborn all the way through up through six plus. So you can check that out there, the Your Village Facebook page or my Instagram at ironmom 2020. Uh there is a graphic there that talks about average sleep. At 14 months, toddlers should be getting somewhere between 12 and a half to 13 and a half hours a day or 14 tops. So that's for a year. And by 18 months, it's 13 and a half hours of sleep. So Maddie's right in between that. So 12 and a half to 13 and a half or 14 hours in any 24 hour period. If she's asleep by the later time at 6.30, that's 10 hours right there. But she's getting 10 to 10 and a half at night, plus the hour nap in the morning, and an hour and hour and a half in the afternoon, which is 12 and a half to 13 hours, which is right on target. My suggestion for Nikki is to push the nighttime by 15 minutes every four to five days. Now I know that at this point when they have done a late bedtime that the wake up in the morning is the same but that's because it's not a consistent thing. it's like a one-off and so her body clock is still used to waking up at 4:30 so she's gonna wake up at 4 30, which is why you want to do four to five days to get her body a chance to adjust and do the later adjust to the later bedtime and her body will adjust in the mornings and push it. And then you do this every four to five days because she'll start to catch on and then you'll push it another 15 minutes until you get to a time and, and you probably want to do an hour which will get her to 5 30 in the mornings probably won't happen the first morning you push or maybe even the second but By three or four, or definitely by five, it'll start to push up those 15 minutes. Then also you wanna push up the rest, though, too. You wanna push up the morning nap and the afternoon nap so that everything is shifted. Otherwise, it's hard for the body to adjust. It's gonna mess up the nap time, so you gotta push everything 15 minutes. That'll get her body adjusted to the new time slowly. Um, Here are some, so here's what you want the schedule to look like. Bedtime at seven. Wake up would be 5:30 to 6, so that's 10 and a half to 11 hours. The morning nap between 10 and 11, so you want to push that out a little bit, and then the afternoon nap. Start put her down at 1:30, then she'll sleep till 2:30 or 3. So that's 12 and a half to 13 and a half hours a day. If she's not waking up until three, she'll be more awake in the evening and ready to go until seven. And the whole schedule just shifts to make it work a bit better for the longer nights and the later mornings. The other thing is though, that you wanna make sure that she is awake from her nap. If she just happens to have a long nap day, you wanna make sure that she is awake by 3.30 or 4.00, don't let her sleep past that 4 o'clock for sure, maybe even 3.30. You're going to want to go wake her up um, so that she's ready to fall back to sleep in the evening. It might be kind of a cranky few hours in there if she's trying to catch up on some sleep, but you just want to make sure you're not going to throw her whole schedule off. So you want to wake her up by 3.30, maybe 4 o'clock. You can test it if you let her go till 4 and she has a really bad night once or twice When you do that, you'll know 4.30 is too late and you can make 3.30 that cutoff for her where she has to be up from her nap. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order. Because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. So I got another question. This is about a daycare question. I love the daycare questions because these are always, you know, parents don't always know what is right or normal or you know is okay or or some of the better things for their kids through daycare. I have another great daycare question coming up in a couple of weeks. It's always good to kind of question and know and know what to look for in daycares, but this is a really easy question. Rachel asks, "My question has to do with this week's podcast about daycare centers. My boys, one is 4 and the other almost 1, just recently had to change daycare." or kindy due to severe flooding in our town. Our usual center has been closed for about five to six weeks and will be closed at least until the end of this month, probably up to eight to nine weeks total. Now, I'm not sure about whether we should uproot the boys again to go back to the old center. I feel the new one is better for our four-year-old as it's Reggio and very play-based, which he seems to really enjoy. But I feel the old center was better for my youngest as he was in the baby room there and will be there for another six months. The baby room has restricted access to the older kids and has fewer kids, meaning fewer sick days. So really, I'm just asking for an opinion on which is most important. I don't know if it's worth changing the boys again and going through the settling in phase again. Any advice is greatly appreciated. So I answered Rachel, I agree. This is totally a matter of opinion and it's really about what works best for their family. Um, I suggested she not worry so much about the uprooting and returning due to the fact that the kids he was playing with will already be there or some of them will return back to the old school. So that may be a really easy transition for him as far as developmentally it does sound like the new school is a better fit for the older child and therefore will also be a better fit for the younger one once he is ready to be more into the play-based learning and engaged in the social play and other aspects so the other things to consider I told her was that as long as her younger child has a healthy immune system, it's actually good and okay for kids to get exposed to germs and grow an immunity anyway. Once they move back, the youngest would only have about four months left in the baby room anyway, it sounds like according to Rachel's description. So it's really just a judgment call in the long term for the development where she would like them to be versus the payoff of those four months for the younger son being in the baby room. She just has to weigh those out. And then would she want them both to be back in the Reggio school or just leave them at the original school? And then the other option is to have them at two different places. Now, this may not be ideal. I don't know how far apart they are, but it is an option. If it's just for a four-month period or a six-month period, can they swing that? Can one parent drop off one, another drop off the other? Is that a possibility? If the baby room feels like it's really worth doing that sacrifice for a short time. Um, so these are just a lot of different options I threw out there for... Rachel to weigh out and hopefully they were able to come to a good decision that worked for them. So there's just a lot of things to think about when it comes to preschools and when you have kids of different ages and what's going to be better for one kid or another kid or how you're going to weigh that out with your different children for their age ranges, their age groups, and what school might be best. And one child might have to sort of get by for a little bit until it's a better fit. There's also a class on the website called choosing a preschool, and that goes into some details about all the different options in preschools, the different ways that they teach, different ways of learning, um, different personalities and families and values that you may find some schools a better fit for you than others. So if you're curious about choosing a preschool or some ways to go about that, that's a great class I recommend. Now, so after the break, I'm gonna share about breaking more difficult news to kids, how to do this, taking age and temperament into consideration. But first, a word from our new sponsor, Green Chef. What is Green Chef? Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide variety of easy-to-follow lifestyles with select organic ingredients with meal plans that include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, heart-smart, lean and clean, keto, gluten-free, and omnivore. Recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepared. Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust, seasonally sourced, for peak freshness. You can switch your meal plan whenever you're ready to try a new way to eat. Now, I loved how easy it was to see all the meal plan options on their site and choose one that was right for our family. Within a few days, I got two meals shipped directly to our front door for our entire family that were healthy and something new to try and so easy to prepare. My family especially loved the Korean noodle bowls. So if you're a busy family like us but don't want to feed your kids the usual unhealthy fried greasy prepackaged fare that you might get at the grocery store, Green Chef is definitely the way to go. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us/parenting. Again, for $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us/parenting to have your own fresh healthy meals shipped right to your door. Now that we're back from our break, let's talk about how to share bad news with kids. Now, I'm not going to get into the subject of death and know no one in our house is terminal, so I wanna state that right off the bat. But sometimes the news we need to share with kids is about death in particular. And this is a very particular subject that has developmental understanding or lack of understanding. And I'll cover that topic specifically at some later point. I'll go over exactly what kids understand at what age and how to discuss death and answer all their deepest life questions that make us realize just how much we don't know. But in this case, I'm talking about sharing news such as moving to a new town, which depending, could be construed as good or bad, or a parent needing to go for surgery or some sort of medical treatment that could affect the family that might scare kids. Divorce is another topic, but also there's a lot of nuances to that one as well, and I'll cover more in detail on that in a different episode. Or like in our family's case, It was a job loss. So as in all things, kids of different ages or personalities will understand or care more or less. Younger kids, toddlers, and under won't even know or care about most things. And anything like a move can, in most cases, easily be painted as exciting and an adventure because they aren't attached to friends or their activities or school all that much yet. The only time this could be a bit harder is if you're moving away from family, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, something like that. But once kids hit the age of around five, these are things they will definitely notice and most likely, depending again on personality, they'll care about on some level. In our case, our kids are well aware that the bulk of the family support comes from their papa's job. They also are definitely going to notice at ages 8, 8, and 10 that papa isn't going into work anymore. So it was important to me and to us that we talk to them about it. Let them know that we have it all under control rather than them noticing and then asking about it. That would very likely send a message that there's something to hide or gloss over. So regardless of what stress or change your family is going through, The first rule is that if your kids will notice, tell them before they start to figure anything out. So if you're moving, even if you have a two-year-old, explain about the move, all the great things about it. Even if it's not a positive move from your adult perspective, but rather than just packing boxes and waiting for them to ask or figure it out, you want to be the first one to bring it up. You wanna find the positives and accentuate them to your kids, especially the younger ones. The older they are, the more they will know and understand the negative aspects, or they may have negative aspects of their own, such as new schools and leaving friends. So address their concerns. Be ready to answer them. Don't just sweep them under the rug. Oh, you'll be fine, you'll just, you'll make new friends right away. It's true, they probably will, but it doesn't erase the loss. So allow them to feel sad, and help them process it and also problem solve, how they will keep in touch with their other friends, how they might make new friends, what you're gonna do to help them and support them, all of those things. And today it's easier than ever to keep in touch with friends when you move away. When my daughter's best friend moved away last fall, she was super, super sad, but they would FaceTime almost every week and Allison showed Taylor around her new house and her new room once they moved in They don't FaceTime very much anymore, but they both seem to have moved on, but it was a great way for them to stay in touch for a while. And I'm sure they still will every now and again, but she still asks when we can go visit Allison. Now, you wanna also ask if your kids have questions and answer them to the best of your abilities in age appropriate ways. You wanna let your child be the guide. If they're asking the question, they are sophisticated enough to know some sort of answer, even if it's a hard one to answer. Do your best to give some sort of answer that is both realistic, yet with as positive a lens as possible. If you have to move to a smaller house, talk about all the great things about the neighborhood and the house. The older the child, the more they'll know. It isn't because you want to cram the four of you into a two-bedroom house, so you want to be honest but positive. Times are tight, but this is a way you can still stay in the same school and we can save some extra money. It'll be different, But the backyard is amazing with that hill, and we'll build a fort up there. I think you get the idea. Honest but positive as possible. Now, in our case, we just let the kids know that their dad won't be working at his company any longer. And that sometimes these things happen. But that we will be okay. Dad will find another job, but we will be just fine in the meantime. And that the good news is that he will be around more for the time being to pick them up after school and take them to activities. So that's how we put our positive spin on it. Then we asked if they had questions. And to be honest, the boys were mostly just curious about the potential loss of the theme park passes more than anything. The good news is we were able to be honest with them about what's going on while shielding them from any of the concern or worry. That's our job. And that was the important piece, that we are that buffer for them. It's out of their control, and they need to feel like mom and dad have it all in the bag. Even if we maybe don't quite, but they don't need to know that. (laughs) If you want to learn more about positive discipline, tools to overcome any other common parenting struggles, or just want to have all the tools available to raise really amazing kids, be sure to check out any of the 50-plus classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next week